0: Man, I love superhero movies. How, how many how many's with me on that one? Everybody? Yes. So, so why do we love those movies so much? Why do you think? You know, I, I think part of the reason is, is we all wish that we were Captain America. Or we all wish that we were Wonder Woman or, or Black Widow or, or Black Panther. You know, all of those movies, they're just so awesome. I mean, who wouldn't want to be 6'2", full of the Cap's strength and skill set? I know I would. I do. But in our lives, many times, how do we feel? We feel like those regular guys just kind of lying in the bottom of the elevator, right? That's how we feel. Because life comes and life beats us up a little bit. Some days, we feel like we've just been beat up and left for dead. The man who wrote the letter that we've been talking about started last week, the book of James, Um, Jesus' brother. He certainly knew what that felt like. James didn't start out as a believer. We made mention of that last week. He became a believer after he saw that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Then he was all in. He became a believer at that moment in time. And he led the church. He led the first church in Jerusalem. And he was well acquainted with hardship, trials, and those kind of situations. He watched many of the people in his church die because of their belief in who Jesus was. He watched his friends and family members be ostracized by their family members and other friends because of the belief that they held in Jesus. He watched the authorities, Jews and Romans alike, put a lot of his friends, his flock, basically, in prison. They endured hardship. And they even were killed and martyred for their faith. After a while, I'm sure James felt pretty beat up, just like those guys that were in the bottom of that elevator in that scene that we just watched. And if you were with us last week, uh, you know that James suffered deeply himself because of his profession and faith of Jesus. Now, if you missed our message, you can always catch our messages online or on the, the podcast on your app. And uh, I would encourage you to do that, maybe sometime today or this week, because I loved how we started out the book of James last week. And we asked the question, and it's a question you might be asking yourself again today, is why isn't God delivering me from this trial? Why isn't God delivering me from this trial? Now that's an important question still today, but today I'm gonna ask you a different question. Has it ever occurred to you that God is at work through the trial in your life? Is it possible that there is something really good, a really good outcome that is going to come about because of the situation that you find yourself in? In your notes, that's going to be part of our big idea today. So if you're taking notes, you probably received some notes on your way in. You can always go to the app. We have notes that you can uh, fill out digitally and email to yourself. That's really handy. But the big idea for today is I can embrace this trial. I can embrace this trial. I'm just going to do a little bit of a recap. Back in James, we start off chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Actually, I want to read 2 through 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials... Of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let this perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And last week, we all talked about the trial that each one of us face when we profess our faith in Jesus and either the ridicule or whatever comes into our lives because of who we are in Christ and who we identify with. And then I made mention that that principle can be applied to any trial that you're going through in your life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, verses five through eight from last week, uh, James talked about asking God for wisdom. And many of you indicated on your connection cards that that was a prayer that you were praying. And I prayed with you, if you marked it on your connection card last week, praying for God's wisdom in your life in whatever situation or trial you find yourself in. But then James continues talking about trials as he moves forward in the next few verses. So let's read James 1, nine through 10. I'm reading out of the NIV. If you have your digital device fired up, you may be reading out of a different version. Verse nine, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. What? What is James talking about here? That kind of seems a little upside down in the thought process, but what he's saying is here is I can embrace this trial. Actually, what James says is you should take pride in the trial that you're going through. (laughs) Uh, Let me confess something. I, I don't, take that position all the time. I don't take pride or I don't embrace trials that come into my life right off the bat. They're difficult. I don't like it. They're painful. Why do I have to endure this, God? There's a lot of those why questions going on. But this is what James is telling us. Why in the world would he say that? (laughs) But James gives us two really good reasons why we should take pride or embrace this trial that we're going through in our lives. The first thing that he says here is, number one in your notes, this trial is putting me right where God wants me to be. This trial, whatever it is in your life, is putting you exactly where God wants you to be. Now, notice I didn't say that God is bringing evil into your life. We'll talk about that in a few weeks because James has some things to say about that. But we know that just being human, we're going to endure trials and situations and hardships just because we live on planet earth. So when we get into those situations in our lives, we're right where God wants us to be. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. That's what I just read. You know, a couple translations use the word poor, which takes our minds to money and, and material wealth and stuff like that. But if you look at the Greek, the best translated definition in this instance here that James is using actually means humble or lowly. Humble or or lowly. That's a lot different than poor in in monetary value. James is calling us to be humble or take a position of lowliness. I have a couple definitions up here on the screen. Humble circumstances in the Greek means not rising far from the ground. Not rising far from the ground. Well, guess what, if I'm kneeling what am I doing? I'm in a humble position before God, right? I am, I am humbling myself before the Lord. A lot of times in our worship time, many of you or even myself will kneel during certain songs just because we are humbling ourselves before God. That's what James is talking about here when he's talking about humble circumstances. And then he talks about the high position or the high rank or high position it seems upside down. How can I take a humble position but yet be, have a high position? It just doesn't make sense. And so James is really confusing us here a little bit, but I want to bring some clarity as to what James is actually talking about. Both of these words is talking about position. If you remember, we've talked about this before at Connect, is when Jesus came on the scene, he leveled the playing field. It didn't matter what your social status was, it didn't matter if you were a servant or you were a master or you were a Pharisee or you were a tax collector. He leveled the playing field. All people are equal in God's eyes. And so that's what James is getting at here. I have a picture here of a big dog and a little dog. A little Chihuahua and a Great Dane. So the little chihuahua, we'll call him the low position, right? He's taking the humble position. He's taking the low position. And the Great Dane, obviously, is much bigger. He takes the high position. Aren't they cute? (laughs) They're really cute. They're really cute. So when we are in the little dog position or the chihuahua position, we are exactly where God wants us to be. We're humble. We're lowly. What a paradox, though. If you really think about it, that's quite a paradox. And Jesus talked about this paradox several times in the Gospels. And I just want to just read a couple things that Jesus said about this paradox that we're dealing with today. In Mark 9.35, Jesus says this, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. What? How can I be first if I'm last? just doesn't make sense. So if you're a Great Dane, you need to figure out how to be a Chihuahua today. That's basically what Jesus is saying. Jesus told a parable in Luke 18 as well, and he, he talked about two men going to pray. He talked about one being a tax collector and the other one being a Pharisee. Now, back in that culture, tax collectors, wasn't, it wasn't the IRS. I know that no, nobody loves the IRS, but hey, you know, we pay our taxes and stuff. But back then, the tax collectors used to be taking tax for Roman authorities and they used to add tax so they could line their pockets. So they were very deceitful and nobody liked them. Everybody hated them, but everybody loved the Pharisees because the Pharisees were this pillar of God, these righteous, holy men, and, and, and they just were a fountain of wealth and wisdom. And so they, you know, they, were, they were highly regarded back in the culture. In Luke 18, 9 through 14, listen to painting the cultural picture like that. Listen to what Jesus says. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, because those people were in the crowd, Jesus chose to tell this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And I'm sure most of the people in there were like, those dirty tax collectors. Man, those Pharisees, man, they're really awesome. They were going to the temple to pray. Isn't that cool? The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, or adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I earn to the storehouse. But the tax collector stood at a distance, He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Now Jesus said this, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Once again, this upside down, weird world that Jesus is living in, right? It just doesn't seem right. In 2 Corinthians 11:30, Paul says this, I don't have this up on your on your uh, on the screen, but you can take notes. He's Paul says this, "If I must boast, let me boast in my weakness." Paul got it. Paul understood what was going on here. "If I must boast, let me boast in my weakness." Now, you might be not be thinking that being knocked down to a size is anything to brag about but God does there's a great story in the Old Testament a man named Job and, and if you've been around church for any length of time you know the story of Job it's the oldest book in the Bible and he was such a good man by God's standards that God himself bragged about Job In Job 1.8, it says this, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. When you're humbled, when you're just a short ways off the ground, you can take pride in your position. And so will God. Now, for those of us that know the story of Job, he went through a lot of pain. He went through a lot of trial. He went through a lot of difficulty. But at the end of the story, everything was repaid to him and even more so. There was a good ending to the story. He ended up being better than he was in the beginning because of his obedience and his uh, relationship with God. Uh, there's a friend of mine who uh, told Gene and I a story years ago. Um, she was growing up in Montana, and she found out that she had cancer of her shoulder. And what she ended up telling Gene and I is that she was honored that God would trust her with this cancer. We're like, what? How, that's this upside-down thing that we're talking about, Right? That was her mindset. Man, that was so cool because she was a teenager at the time. She was a young Christian girl walking with the Lord just a few years. and She went through this cancer, multiple surgeries, chemotherapy, everything that goes along with cancer, especially in her shoulder. She could only lift her shoulder up this high. But she ended up playing sports in high school, in college, throughout her whole life. I mean, it was amazing. But for her to say that at that young age, is exactly what we're talking about here. She believed and was honored that God would trust her with this cancer. Because why? Because that showed that her faith would remain strong through this difficult trial and situation. She understood something at, at a young girl, a teenager, that many of us may never fully understand amazing that she walked down that road and she did strong relationship with the Lord strong relationship with the Lord that's exactly what I'm talking about here I can embrace this trial that I'm going through so that's number one number point one is this trial is putting me right where God wants me to be number two what do we learn here this trial may be freeing me from an addiction to money now, I talked about in the beginning that we're talking about humble circumstances, but James goes on to talk a little bit about money, and it's very important that he, he talks about this. In verses 10 and 11, this is what we read. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. How long are wild flowers here? In Montana, they're here like a month and a half, right? Because <laughs> they either get burned up or then winter comes and they're gone, right? So, it's fleeting, for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall and the beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Some trials, especially ones that are humiliating for us, have to do with money or, more importantly, our reliance upon money. When we rely on money for our security and our comfort, it can become an idol in our lives. It basically takes the place of God. And realistically, you know, we need to be taken down a notch or two if that is our mindset. We really do. We really do. And it's painful, though. It is painful if we have to endure that because, you know, we become prideful of the money and the security and the comfort that it brings to us but it's taking the place of God in our lives. But if God is freeing me from the reliance upon money, what can I say then at the end of the day? I can embrace this trial that I'm going through. 1 Timothy 6.10 says this, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So it doesn't say that money is evil, right? We need money just to live in this world. But the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. That's disheartening right there. And pierced themselves with many griefs. That's what the love of money will do for you. Now this week, I recently heard a story of a connector, um, who shared a story and a trial that he's actually still going through, but he's embracing the trial that he's in. Now, this man grew up in Michigan, and he was kind of a scrawny guy. He got bullied by guys, and other girls wanted to date him, kind of like the Cap, if you know about the Captain America. That's kind of how he started out. Now, he had a little science fiction juice to help him out, right? But this guy didn't have that available to him. But he went to college and university. He was studying business. And while he was at university, while he was in college, he started to kind of grow a little bit. He started to work out. And he he, he became, you know, a tall, successful, you know, built kind of a guy. And he did a lot of construction, too. He actually built his own house without a a nail gun, Will. (laughs) 28-ounce hammer. 28-ounce hammer. He framed and built his whole house. So this guy was a stud this guy was built so he met his wife in college and stuff and and they decided to build this business together a construction business and he had this business major but he also had construction uh, influences and stuff so he was kind like a, a, of like somewhat of an engineer, a business guy and so He went through and and built a successful business, ended up moving out to Montana, loved Montana, ended up settling out here once again, developing a business and becoming very successful. But the thing that was always crouching at the door, and he was a Christian, they professed, professed their love for God, but the thing that was crouching at the door was his ego and his pride. He'd be working 14 hours a day, seven days a week to be successful, and and he put that as an idol in his life. Well, drinking came on the scene, and he started to go down that road. Now, from the outside looking in, you would think this was Mr. and Mrs. Captain America. They had the house, they had everything, the cars, whatever, successful business and everything, but on the inside, things were falling apart. He went to a conference, a week-long conference, came home, the house was empty. I mean, not everything was gone, but there was no one there. His wife and children had left. She had taken them. He didn't know. There was no note. He had no idea. They ended up moving in with family members, and things got worse for him. It went down a deep, dark hole pretty quick. Ended up moving back together, and they tried to work it out, but just things were were so fractured it didn't work out. Ended up getting divorced, and there he was left at the end of the day. This guy, this Captain America, successful businessman, from every standard of the world, was successful. But he had problems in his life. He didn't put God first. He loved money. He loved being successful. He had pride in his life. And that was all taken away from him, stripped bare. Now, I wish I could say that everything was given to him like Job at the end of the story. Everything was given back to him, and it's awesome. No, he's still walking through that time right now. But he's embracing the trial that he is going through. He's back in church. He's back honoring God and being obedient to whatever God wants. He's humbling himself because of the situation that he found himself in. So, down the road, yeah, there's going to be a great end to the story. But for right now, he's humbling himself in his circumstance because of his pride and arrogance. I can embrace this trial whatever trial you're going through in your life, you can embrace this trial. Number one, this trial is putting me right where God wants me to be. Number two, maybe this trial is freeing me from an addiction to money. And the last point in today's message is this trial is making me more like Jesus. This trial is making me more like Jesus. Philippians 2, 5 through 9. Some great verses talking about this. Let's go ahead and read them together. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. If you don't know what that is, he's about ready to tell you. Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being forced in appearance as a man, and being found, not forced, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Obedient to death, even death on a cross. So uh, this is the audience participation. How many of us have experienced difficult trials in our lives? 100%, everybody, unless you're a little toddler in the back, uh, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But for everybody else, each one of us has been through a difficult trial in our lives. But how many of us have experienced that leading to death? Well, obviously none of us, right, because we're all still here alive. But Jesus did. Jesus embraced this trial for you and me the trial that he endured. He embraced the humiliation of being stripped naked and being beaten and being hung on a cross. He embraced the incredible pain of the Roman scourging. And if you've seen the passion of the Christ, you know what I'm talking about. Very graphic, the ripping and the, of the flesh and the things that he endured. He embraced the half-mile hike, carrying a 100-pound cross being carried on his exposed backs and shoulders. He embraced pain on the cross because of his love for you and for me. He traded his perfection for our imperfection. He took on all the sins and the penalty of death for those sins on our behalf. Man. He died for you and for me so that we might have eternal life and live forever with Jesus, with God the Father in heaven. And all we have to do is say yes to his gift that he gives to us. Paul goes on in verse 9 of Philippians chapter 2 and he says this. He says, therefore, because of everything Jesus did, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. If you want to be lifted up, if you wanted to be exalted, take the humble position just like Jesus did. He became a servant. Now, death might not be your requirement. It might be. Some of us might die for our faith. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? Who knows what's going to happen in the future? But Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. He chose to be obedient to God. So for us, What we need to do in our lives today is say no to the world and say yes to Jesus and the gift that he gives us, his forgiveness. Now, we started this last week with next steps. I want everybody to grab your connection card. And we're going to do this as we walk through this series of James. On the back of your connection card, there's some blocks for you to fill out, also in your notes as well. The first one that we see there is I see now that God is using this trial for my good. I see now that God is using this trial for my good. Maybe you've been angry. Maybe you've been hurt, frustrated uh, by the situation that you find yourself in. But now that you see that God is using this trial in your life to produce something that's good. If you're seeing that now, mark that on your next steps. Number two, I'm going to choose the low place instead of the high place. If you follow Jesus, you will learn humility. (laughs) And for those of us that have been walking with the Lord for quite a few years, we understand this. Either you will choose to humble yourself or you will be humbled. That is guaranteed. So choose today the low place instead of taking the high place. Number three, I'm addicted to money. I'm going to start trusting God instead of money. Maybe that is some of you today. And and that's fine to admit, but what are you going to do with that? The next thing that we need to do is we need to start trusting Jesus instead, instead of trusting in money and finances. Pray about this. God will help you take the next steps. And it'll look different in all of our lives. So seek God's wisdom like we talked about last week and find out what is God asking you to do be a steward of the resources that God entrusts you with instead of an owner. Those are two different things. If I'm an owner, I own it. But if I'm a steward, I'm a caretaker. God's the owner. I've just simply taken care of what he's blessed with me, blessed me with. And then the last one is I want to begin following Jesus. Maybe today you realize that you've been doing life on your own. Now you understand you need to accept God's gift of salvation through Jesus Christ because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that we've talked about. He did that for you and for me so that one day we could stand with him in heaven and he could say, man, you've been a good servant and we can just fall at his knees and we're supposed to get a crown. I believe that we will take it off and give it to him because we're not worthy. Jesus is worthy. We're not. So I'm going to give you just a few moments to think about this, to mark your connection cards before we go any further. Mark your notes if you're the same, you have the same things in your notes as well. I'm going to ask the band to come forward. And then the band, as the band is coming forward, I just want you to consider what's going to be your next step today. Like I said, maybe it's a trial you're going through. Maybe it's taking the low place, or maybe it's asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Now, if you mark number four, if you're considering this, I want to pray with you before we go any further. Let's, let's all bow our heads and let's pray a prayer. If, if you selected number four, pray with me as I pray over you. Lord, I thank you for sending Jesus to to be the sacrifice that was required so that I, a sinner, might have salvation and might have this gift of salvation that you give to me. And it's something, Lord, that I'm looking forward to. I get to spend eternity with you. But it's something that I experience here today because of my confession, my profession of faith. I know I'm a sinner and I need Jesus to be my Savior. I believe that he died for me. And I believe that through that sacrifice, I now am I'm washed clean, is what the Bible says. It's like I've never sinned because I have humbled myself right now and I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. And now, Jesus, I ask that you would help me in my life. You, salvation is for us today. Help me live this life that would honor your sacrifice through my actions. Change me from the inside out. Change my mind. Change how I think. Enable me to to fall after you with all of my heart. I believe you're going to do that for me today as I pray this prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.